I know I say this every time we gather, but I mean it. It is such a pleasure and a privilege to join you in the Christ journey, whether you're part of one of our congregations here in South Florida or from across the nation, around the world, through Church Online. We, uh, we are celebrating Christ with you today, even as we are saddened to learn of Dr. Billy Graham's passing, the great world evangelist. Um, and yet, we are celebrating what Paul wrote and that Billy Graham trusted. Absent from the body means present with the Lord in Christ. And Paul also said we should pay honor to whom honor is due. So we offer our honor this day to the one who, wherever he went, tried to help people experience Jesus as their personal savior. And we pray that for you this day as well. It can happen the instant you trust him a new life begins. Now, speaking of instant, there are many things about instant culture that I appreciate. You know, my microwave gives me hot food, just like that. The internet can connect me anywhere, just like that. If I want information, I can get it instantly. If I want my leather jacket or my to look rugged and worn, if I want my jeans to have holes in them, I don't have to wait. I can buy them that way. If I want people to know what I'm doing and where I am, you know, I just take a selfie, quick selfie, and Instagram can load it instantly and take it to anybody, anywhere. But I have learned that there is no such thing in my spiritual journey as instant discipleship. It's a process. There is no instant download or upgrade. Have you learned this? It's a process, and God believes in the process. It takes time, but God believes in the process. In fact, authentic growth, true spiritual transformation versus the hypocrisy that we all despise, it doesn't happen any other way than through the process. Creation happened through a process, right? The new creation of maturing disciples to full spiritual growth is a process. We call that process the Christ journey. And we've been exploring that in the Beatitudes of Jesus. And today the journey takes us to the deep end of the pool. And I want to tell you, it's exhilarating and it's terrifying at the same time. The milestone is profound. Milestone number four, living with purpose. Imagine this, you getting up every day and fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. Imagine your family, your marriage, your uh, friends and your colleagues experiencing through you God's blessing as you fulfill your purpose in life. Imagine the kingdom of heaven coming into your world, wherever you go, wherever you are, that's living with purpose. That's what we're talking about. And what could be greater than that? What could be possibly greater than making impact, your life making impact, doing the will of God? What does it mean to live with purpose? It means Christ's mission fulfilled through you as Christ's likeness is formed in you. And it's exhilarating, but it's also really scary. In fact, this may well be your least favorite 
beatitude of all of them. Why? Because it is so countercultural. It is so counterintuitive. It is so contrary to American dream Christianity, to prosperity gospel. I'm telling you, it's offensive. It will offend your ego. It will offend your pride. It will offend your self-made life. It is designed intentionally in such a way that it exposes every counterfeit God in you in order to, uh, to facilitate your deep connecting to the true and living God. And I think you'll see what I mean. So how do you do it? I mean, how do you live with purpose? By giving your life away. That's the simple answer. Now, don't tune me out. I mean, try hard to stay with me on this one, okay? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life away. Mark 10, 45. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. Next, Jesus said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. It's like drop mic, right? Give away your life. Now, he's not talking about dysfunctional codependency. That's a trap. I think he's talking about following him into a crucible of fire that brings with it true transformation of the deep kind, the deep life change of eternal impact. And every person can have that in Christ. I want it. How about you? This is high-end discipleship. Now, frankly, um, the belief statement undergirding, the belief statement undergirding this level of maturity is a challenging one. Giving away my life, I am willing to risk everything that is important in my life for Jesus. Now, frankly, some of us, maybe you, uh, have never thought of worshiping God or following Christ at that level. This is a new thought for you. If this is your first time with us, hey, listen, if, I, if this were my first time in a Christian church, I would want to know, you know, what's the end game? What's in it for me? Yes, but what is God asking of me? Willing to risk everything important in your life? You know, one of our groups was asked, what would be the hardest thing for you to sacrifice in your life to God? And three answers came up. Children, family, and comfort. My children, my family, my comfort. These are all good gifts from God, which raises the question, why would God want to take them away from me? Okay, time out, time out. The belief doesn't say God is looking for sacrifices. The belief is about your will. I am willing to risk for Jesus is what it says. This isn't about God trying to, to wrench things out of your hands to take away what matters to you. This is about God opening your eyes, opening my eyes to my sense of control in life and the, the way that my sense of control has control over my life and my sense of control that keeps me from experiencing the deep blessing of God in my life. Listen, God doesn't want your stuff. You think about it, everything that you have 
is already going to return to cinder, if you know what I mean, when you die. The only thing that you and I have that uh, is not on that list that we could freely offer God is your will. Our will. Your willingness to be willing to follow him. I'm willing to love you because you first loved me. I am willing to receive the fullness of your will in my life, to welcome his control, to yield my sense of control in my life. Why? So that his purpose can be fulfilled in my life, in your life. And the deep transformation, listen, the deep transformation that so many of us long for in our life, the life change that we want to happen, isn't going to happen until you say to God from your heart, not my will, but your will be done at any cost in my life. Even if it means risking my sense of control over my life, over everything I consider important in my life. Now that does not happen instantly, does it? No, it happens over time. It happens as a process. And that process is so designed to develop audacity. Audacity. In your passport, if you look at that, right under the word, uh, live the words, live with purpose. There are two other words. Do you see them? What are they? Kingdom audacity. Now, what does audacity mean? Fearlessness, grit, heroism. How does God develop bold faith and fearless grit in his people? And in a single word, through adversity. Adversity is the word. Adversity. God develops audacity through adversity. Now, think about this. To us, wildfires are really scary. I mean, they make us want to run away, hide in our swimming pools, you know, get out of the, the heat. And yet, scientists tell us that if you are a lodgepole pine cone, you have reason to love fire that you could look easy, eagerly look forward to a blazing heat coming upon you. Why? Because those cones and the seeds locked inside them are so tightly sealed by resin and scales that they cannot open unless exposed to the heat, very intense heat like a forest fire. Isn't that something? But when the heat is on, then the cones open up and the seeds of life are released. Now, why did God design it that way? I don't know. I just know that's the way it works for those trees. And it seems to me that Jesus is saying, hey guys, this is the way it works in true spiritual discipleship, in true spiritual growth in people too. And here's the final exhilarating and terrifying beatitude as Jesus gave it, Matthew 5.11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Feel the fire? 
Feel the heat. See, none of that feels good, does it? Nobody likes being lied about, ridiculed, rejected. And yet Jesus says, when you follow me, this is going to follow you. The heat will come. When it happens, what should we do? Verse 12. Jesus says, rejoice. That means lean in. <laughs> lean into it positively. And then he says, and be glad. That literally means jump. Jump for joy. Can you imagine? Jump for joy. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mark Twain once said, there comes a time in every rightly constructed boy's life when he has a raging desire to go somewhere and dig for hidden treasure. This is the hidden treasure beatitude where God the Father invites every child of his to dig through the dirt of adversity and find the treasure. Are you having trouble following Christ? Are you trying to do the right thing only to have stuff go wrong? Um, are people not treating you fairly? Are they saying stuff against you that's not even true? I'm telling you, there is treasure in that trouble. And Jesus says, rejoice in the blessing. If you ever find yourself wondering, but why is it so hard? <laughs> why is it such a hassle to follow Christ? Here's the answer. So you will trust God in the hardship and you will grow in the midst of it. Face the adversity with audacity and grow. But Bill, shouldn't it be easier? No. No. Shouldn't it be fair? No, Jesus says, no, not going to be fair. Uh, but I'm being insulted. I'm being slandered. I'm being gossiping out there. People are saying hurtful things. It's not even true. It's not right. It's not fair. No, it's not fair. You know what it is? It's fire. It's fire. It's a dangerous world. Life's not fair. Jesus is saying, you know, this is a world on fire. It's a dangerous world out there, and it is far from God. And when you start following me, here's what you're going to discover. You start living with purpose. You start seeking to bring heaven into a fallen earth, then you're going to meet the resistance. Suddenly, you're going to become aware that there's a spiritual war raging. And Christ is calling you to rise above the shrapnel and push through your fear and be audacious. Show some bold, defiant faith. Remember, you're in a process. This is a developmental journey and some development can only happen through the crucible of adversity, the time of testing. When you feel like you're under attack, when you're being ridiculed, you're being rejected, not only by people, but by God. You know, this is, this is part of the scariness. Sometimes testing feels like you're being abandoned by God. You're being rejected by God. Like God is keeping his distance, that God is, is an absent father. If he's a father at all, where is he? And you're wondering, you also want to say, where were you when I needed you? Those hard times are invitations to grow at a deep level. The truth is the Father is close. Heaven is watching. Jesus says your audacity will be rewarded. 
Just like the prophets, you're in good company. God's prophets know this crucible well. It doesn't feel like God is with you, but God shows up and he, it feels like God is distant, like he's absent, like he's silent. Sometimes it even feels like God is violent. And yes, I know, it brings up memories in your soul from where you, uh, where you felt abused or abandoned. Maybe as a child, you felt orphaned and just left all on your own to make it. Why would God let that happen? How many times have you wondered this? And I'm not gonna to pretend to know the whole answer, but Jesus gives us part of it here. It's so that you would trust him to meet you in the pain and then grow through life, healing, and strength that God brings you so he can show you that in him, you have what it takes. It's in you because of him. You are a force to be reckoned with like the prophets were. Abba, your spiritual father, has not forsaken you, has not forgotten you. It just feels like that sometimes, but that's the opportunity to show some audacity and trust him and see him show up through you in an even greater way. Jesus knew this crucible. On the cross, what did he say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew what it felt like to be forgotten and forsaken by God, but then he transfers it into a prayer of release. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And on the third day, the father who was with him and in him raised him up. The father was there. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. And the Father is with you in the middle of your fire, in the heat of the crucible of adversity. What does he want you to do? Well, when you're in the fire, show some audacity. Hold on, pray through, lean in positively, jump for joy and rejoice. Now you're thinking that's a little much, isn't it? No, 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 that's a lot much. That's a lot. That's audacious, persevering grit. And God develops audacity through adversity. Now, how can I stay positive and jump for joy when I'm being persecuted? Come on. Well, did you see the movie Life is Beautiful? Roberto Benigni won Best Actor in it, the story's about a father and a son in World War II. The boy's maybe five years old. He's son to a Jewish father and an Italian mother. The family's been taken away into a Nazi concentration camp, and dad has hidden his son with the men in the camp so that he can, they can be together and he can protect him. And day after day, the father shields his son from the horrors of evil around them. And in the midst of it all, the boy seems almost immune to it. Why? Trusting in the goodness of his father and uh, playing games that they make up together. The father's love and sacrifice give him reason to be joyful, even in a death camp. Now, once again, we wonder, why does God let such things happen? And I can't fully explain it. I don't fully know. 
but I know it has something to do with making a world where freedom is real and choices matter. I know it means that there are things in this world that God doesn't will to happen. Sin is not God's will. Injustice and inhumanity are not God's will. But it is God's will to change us in the midst of the fire when the heat is on. And he will do it if we are willing to risk what matters to us, to Jesus. Milestone number four, God will make deep change if we will yield our sense of control and our will to him. Like a refiner's fire purifies gold. It exposes and then burns away the dross, removes the dross in its heat. Like a fever that fights infection in your body. God is a consuming fire in our spirit. And part of what that means is that God is more committed to my forever than my temporary comfort. Maybe this is a better question than uh, why does God let persecution happen? Maybe a better question is what am I supposed to do with it? What are we supposed to do when it happens? Well, in the Beatitudes, in the Christ journey, Jesus says, don't blame God. Join the peacemakers. Join the prophets. Step up and into the breach and say, God, would you bring some heaven to this fallen earth through me? Live with purpose. Whatever happens, wherever you go. In one of his letters, Peter Simon Peter wrote this, since Christ has suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. What attitude? Be audacious. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. You ever just wanted to be done with sin? Yes. Suffering is part of the cue, as part of the uh, release. As a result, he doesn't live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for what? the will of God, living with purpose, giving your life away, taking a risk for others so that they can see Christ as the kingdom of heaven makes its way into your part of this fallen world. How? By your audacity. Bold faith. Our Cuba mission team wanted to do some peacemaking in Cuba, but they were having problems getting their visa. So they had to make a decision. Time was up. Do we go without them? And they decided yes. And then they told us, you know, you may need to send another team in to get us out, but we're going. You know, when the visas arrived, the night before they were scheduled to leave. That's audacity. We don't understand the evil in the world. We certainly don't invite it to work us over. But Jesus wants you to know, when it burns you, when it hurts you, you still have reason to rejoice. God is not done, and neither are you. Bring your wounds to Jesus' nail-pierced feet. This is what I do. You bring your wounds to Jesus' nail-scarred hands. This is what I do. And he will draw you close to his nail-pierced heart. And I can tell you, that's what he does. 
as we hold on. He knows what it feels like to be burned. And he also knows God develops audacity through adversity. So when the heat is on, you get to show you have what it takes. And Jesus says, the great rewards are yet to come. Now the Winter Olympics end today. We've seen the pomp, we've seen the spectacle, international stage, millions watching, but at its core, you know what the Olympics really is? It's simply a testing ground, it's a proving ground. It's a, it's a place where all the skills and preparation and potential of each athlete have a chance to be seen. How? By being put to the test. And then rewarded appropriate to their performance. Jesus says to the persecuted, to the tested, to the at risk. Great are your rewards in heaven. Great here is a word that means multiple. This is like Michael Phelps, multiple gold medals. You know, there's lots of reward coming. And then reward means recompense appropriate to your particular decision. In other words, you will receive multiple acknowledgements and payment appropriate to your audacity. Just like the prophets before you. Now, can you imagine that? In heaven, you in heaven lined up with Elijah, Isaiah, Daniel, Micah, the prophets, and then there you are when you are in the crucible of adversity. It doesn't feel like you're going to make it. It feels like you're facing the end, but you're not. The story's not over. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. So let's bring it home. If you are having trouble because you're following Christ, because you seek to bring some heaven to your part of this fallen earth. You're trying to help others meet the Prince of Peace and the heat is on. Jesus said this would happen. So what can you do? Here's what he said. Lean in with positive faith. Don't run away. Don't give up. Persecutions don't shut you down. They just unleash new seeds of life. Lean in. And then defy your circumstance with the joy of the Lord. Stand up. Defy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So show some grit. Be fearless. Circumstances don't define you. Your heavenly father does. And then jump for joy. Hebrews 12.2 says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's audacity. You know, the time for sitting down will come, but the time for showing up is upon us. This is audacity. Don't just go through your troubles. Grow through them. Keep holding on. Keep pushing forward. Keep digging through the adversity. And don't be misled by your feelings that tell you, you don't have what it takes. You do. And that's why he's got you there. Those seeds of life will grow as you yield your will to him. Would you pray with me? Gracious almighty God, we thank you for engaging us in the process. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have modeled for us how it's done. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that within us, you are equipping us and empowering us to show that we've got what it takes when the heat is on. And so I pray for every believer today, every daughter and son of yours who finds himself in the fire, 
that this would be a, a moment of encouragement and of inspiration and that you would breathe new life into their spirit and soul and strength into their body to keep holding on, to keep leaning in, to keep trusting you, and then to watch heaven break through, break through them, even in the fire. And Lord, we pray for someone who is ready to take the step of faith and follow you as their personal savior. If that's you, then here's a prayer you can pray. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins, come into my life, I am turning from my way to follow you and learn how to live your way. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for rising from the dead. Now I am trusting you as my savior. In your name I pray. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, our heads are still bowed. But if you would allow me to ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand wherever you're seated? If you're joining us online, there's an orange banner right there on the screen. You click that, we're praying with you. Thank you. Father, for every hand that is being raised, signifying a heart that is opened, we pray that you would grant them the sense of your presence, of your peace within their life now, the Prince of Peace, making himself at home in the human soul. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.